Let's do it. Let's get into it. This is Matt Chatham. We're the Real Thing Patriots podcast here on Bears Week. Uh, we're doing a different kind of show. Yeah, I tell you guys this each and every week. It's I've been pretty unpredictable, and I, uh, I apologize for that, but my schedule sort of dictates when and if and how I'm able to do this podcast. It'll always be there for you each and every week, but whether or not it'll be a morning after, when they, when they have a late game, and I'm doing late TV till 1 in the morning, and then I got a radio uh, out of state the next day. Monday night games screw me for sort of the early week schedules, and that usually pushes it later in the week, and when we're doing that, then it's like, hey, let's not spend too much time looking back in the previous game. Let's make it a, a preview game. So um, my week gets rolling really quickly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and then chills a little more Thursday, Friday. Uh, than until we head into the weekend. So on a week like this, it's much easier for me to spend my time researching and uh, give you more on the team that's coming up. And that week, it's the Bears. This week, it's the Bears. And actually, it's funny to me that the Bears, you know, it's a team that you don't know well. If, you, if you're playing, if you're always watching the AFC East, if you're always watching the Patriots, it's just not a team that comes across your radar often. And uh, the, <laughs> Coach Belichick, funny enough, used these guys as an example for us for the same thing years ago. Uh, where he's like, you guys don't know these guys very well. I know you don't know them. We don't know them. We never play the Bears. And it was one of those early 2000s games. And, uh, yeah, you know, they cross your path once every five seasons or something like that. And I just remember Bears week as a week of almost like college or maybe even high school studying where you're like studying a sheet of what's their left guard's name? What's their right tackle's name? Who plays uh, their nickel corner position? What's the, who's the holder? <laughs> you know, the long snapper uh, also play swing tight end or something like that. But that, that, that's who the bears have kind of always been for me just because, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously the other conference, but it's also just the divisions don't cross a ton. So, you know, you see the bears just every once in a while. And when we saw him pop up on the screen this year, that's a fun trip for a player. Uh, I believe it's actually as far west as they go this year. The, the, the Patriots' travel schedule is pretty goofy. They, I think the longest trip is just the, the you know your regular division game with Miami. It's technically the longest, although you're going south. But they're certainly not doing the whole West Coast trip this year. Uh, Chicago, I guess maybe arguably Tennessee is a little slightly further flight but you know that's it's sort of middle america and that's as far as they have to go this year that's a nice little a nice little perk from a travel situation but chicago's you know, the windy city temperature will be back down there a little bit this weekend um it's uh but it's a cool town it's cool to fly into chicago there's a lot going on down, down downtown there soldier fields just right off the interstate just outside the city uh it's fun man it's it's just a cool environment uh you know if you're you're just simply a football fan uh you, you know one of these guys that's on this this Patriots team that's grown up playing high school college football there, there's certain venues which is kind of cool to get a chance to go play and I know it sounds kind of corny almost you know more fanish than actually like a player perspective but they're just all people too uh, it's exciting to go to, to Lambeau it's exciting to go to Soldier Field it's exciting to maybe go play in the LA Coliseum if you ever get that chance it's exciting to you know, kind of see the old venerable places uh, around this league and uh, play in an environment that's a little different than you're used to. I mean, shoot, you've seen Miami Stadium a billion times, the Bills Stadium a billion times, the Meadowlands, whatever. You know, you get kind of numb to a lot of the stuff you're used to seeing, but going to a cool place in a cool city and, you know, it kind of breaks up the monotony of the season. You know, it's still a business trip. It's not like these guys are going to get a lot, of, <laughs> a lot done there. But those couple of years that I worked at the Big Ten Network, uh, you know, five, six years ago, I was making w- midweek trips to Chicago each week. And, man, I was going to Portillo's every time I possibly could. Portillo's is like a Italian beef place and sausages and the Chicago dogs and all that. And, 
man, I, you know, I'm kind of a food dork about all these things, but I, I, I got excited to like jump on the flight to go to a fast food restaurant <laughs> in Chicago, but you get the deep ditch pizza. If that's your thing, steakhouses are phenomenal. There's just, you know, there's a little stuff to dive into. So if guys get into town early enough on that trip, just to sneak away and see a place or two is, is always kind of fun. And again, it's because this is such a long drag of a season, you know, I, the idea that the NFL had been toying with this idea of going to 18, that's always stuck, struck me as so perverse. It's so outside the the experience of what a guy goes through in a year even training camp being a little easier as they are now but you still have the four preseason games it's long enough regular season to 16 that's a lot you know it 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 takes a lot out of you so you need these nice little mental breaks occasionally the road trip to a place you haven't been is kind of helpful in that regard uh you know hitting having the bye week bye week hit at the right time and that's coming up here shortly a few weeks uh but it's all part of getting through the long stretch of the NFL season and, and keeping at the, sort of the, your peak performance as best you can throughout it. So I look forward to this week. Yeah, I don't, I don't look at Chicago as some major threat like, like we were thinking of with the Chiefs last week where most of the conversation is surrounding can they or will they or how will they. I think you should with the Bears, but that isn't to disrespect them. I think they're awful good, but they're in that good, not great category. I think when you, when you review a, who they played and how they played them, and sort of where they sit personnel-wise across the board. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with today's show, a getting-to-know-you Chicago Bears show, which is kind of fun because in situations like this, when you, when you, when you don't see a team a lot, you, you, hap, you, you tend to overlook them, right? And it's not for reasons of disrespect. It's for just lack of exposure. You know, and you, you go and you dig a little deeper and go, oh, oh, oh this, this guy's really good. Oh, that's not a name that's, you know, like a – the name you're seeing on SportsCenter every night, but this player here is really good. And I kind of just wanted to wash, wash this roster over your shoulders <laughs> so that uh, as you head into this weekend's game, you, you have a little bit greater appreciation for what the Patriots are going against. And that's really, in all, in all honesty, how Coach Belichick approaches these things, in my experience. When it's one of these teams you don't know well, it's, it's, it's ingratiating yourself to that other group and starting to say, oh, okay, you guys are – really, really good, and uh, I just don't know much about you, and that's on me, but by Sunday, that won't be the case. So, at the wide receiver position, there's going to be some names here you recognize for the Bears, and and, and again, in full disclosure, this is not an offense that's been blowing the top off things. Uh, It's certainly made some advances, as Mitch Trubisky uh, has has grown a little bit. Uh, You know, he's started to become a little more mature player, Uh, but the receiver group is going to be names. You know, Allen Robinson was a big-time up-and-coming player. The two Allens, him and Allen Hearns down in Jacksonville, that was the future of that franchise of the wide receiver position, and now both guys are gone. Hearns is down in Dallas, and Robinson's here. Nursing a groin this week, available uh, most likely, but they just, from the the comments from from Adam Gaze, uh, the head coach there, the Bears, he seemed to he seemed to take uh, the Thursday day off thing as more of a maintenance thing with Robinson. But what the purpose Robinson serves, or the, the distinction I guess he serves on this offense, is he the big tall guy? He's this is a six three or six four kind of guy, the longer, more lift. He's not necessarily take the top off the defense, but he just gives you the bigger target, uh, and he's super athletic. And you know, watch him on tape, and if you hadn't known the history that he was a an ACL guy. Uh, he looks healthy, he looks normal, uh, but he is not involved here in an offense that's you know, putting up 30 each week. So, you know, you have to wonder if part of this is, is not him. You know, if he, you, you throw him over in the Patriots offense, maybe he's catching 100 balls, you know. So you have to respect him. He's, he's, he looks similar to that guy that I remember from, from Jacksonville, but he's just in an offense here that's very deliberate, pretty conservative, shot, 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 shots, conservative run game stuff. 
But Allen Robinson, obviously, you're going to oh, okay, Allen Robinson's in Chicago. Taylor Gabriel, now that's a name that uh, may, may raise blood pressure around New England a little bit. If you remember him from the, uh, the Atlanta Super Bowl, had the big catch and run in the seam there, big over route. Uh, well, it wasn't the seam, I guess it was an over route there. Uh, that got matched up against Malcolm Butler, I believe, and ended up being a huge play in the game. And most of the conversation at the time was about this guy's speed, 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 speed. You know, Taylor Gabriel can flat out burn. And it's odd that it's that way because we're not talking about a, a take the top off the defense guy that's also a Randy Moss body type. We're not talking about like the big, tall shot player. He's like a shorter guy. I don't have the, the measurement here in front of me, but to the best of my recollection, it's definitely a sub six foot guy, maybe 5'10 or. 5'11", but he seems like a smaller dude, but that's vertical. So that makes it kind of a – it's not the easiest throw in the world to throw go routes to, to short wide receivers on the outside. You're throwing, a, obviously, a much deeper, wider ball there from the, the, the geometry of it all, throwing deep and outside the numbers down the sideline, but then to a short target who doesn't have particularly great length. So I say that, and you know Gabriel is going to – probably be that guy that goes back and the way this game dovetails off the Chiefs game and say, oh, shot, shot, shots. You know, the, the three quick strikes they had there with Tyreek Hill and say, how do we get our speed guy involved the way they got their speed guy involved? And just because of the sort of coincidence here that the, the, that the Bears come after the Chiefs and Gaze spent his time in, in Kansas City with the Andy Reid offense, and I believe, I hope I have this right, that Gaze's groups, his offenses went two and one and the times he got to face off against the Patriots. So there's got to be – and actually, I think Trubisky mentioned that in, in some of his interviews this week where he, he said, hey, Adams had good luck with these guys, so it helps me with my in-week confidence that he'll be able to pull something together that might stress them. So you got to know – you, you don't want to be surprised, you know, 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, a few series in, if their shot plays to Gabriel, if they go right at that, or they throw some go-routes this guy, or they scheme up something to hit him on a deep over to try to get that catch-and-run play similar to what Tyreek Hill had. So uh, they have a guy is the real point here, and Gabriel can fly much like much like Hill. Maybe no one flies just like Hill, but he can he can get after it, and he's dangerous that way. So I don't like to do the whole Hill. This guy will guard that guy. This guy will guard that guy. That's how you account for it because obviously the Patriots are going to move in and out of coverages. But it, you know your best coverage player is Stephon Gilmore, but he's a longer guy that might actually match up better with a body like Allen Robinson. Uh, if we're simply talking man-to-man stuff, which is not what it is. But that said, then you're off to who's your quicker, faster guy that can run with a, with a speed guy like Gabriel. And maybe that's not necessarily your second corner. Jason McCourty is efficient, runs well, but we're not talking about a burner. He's more your 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 strong, uh, you know, good technique guy, savvy veteran. But I don't know if you say, hey, this the 30-plus-year-old corner is the guy I want to go put on the fastest guy they have. Uh, that may bring you to some Jonathan Jones time with them. Uh, maybe some of the young guys get involved. J.C. Jackson wasn't active last week. It was Keon Cross, and uh, maybe Jackson gets himself back on the field and earns some reps that way. But we'll keep an eye on it. The one thing, though, there I want you to pay attention to if you're, you're sort of watching this is a lot of the breakdowns, or several, I'll say, I'll say a lot. But uh, when, we ha- when you look back to the, the issues they had against the Chiefs in the second half exclusively, the, the big broken plays, a lot of that was in late matching stuff or zone coverages. So I think that might scare them out of some of that stuff because you, the last thing you want is these burner guys building into a zone coverage where you're not getting reroutes because of the hesitancy now in the NFL with, with illegal contact. You're just not seeing much rerouting. And speed guys need to be rerouted. So the best way to do that is probably to press them and, and ensure that you have over-the-top help. 
But if you if you soft drop back into a zone and no one's really getting touched and they build into those areas, then you see those plays like that Tyreek Hill one, the one that, you know, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember the exact route, but something that hit kind of over the middle there and then it was a catch and run and then you see him out in space against Deron Harmon and, Harmon and you don't expect anyone to win that battle. You just don't want to give them time to build, a ball with space, and then you're out and running and rolling. Uh, the whole point of zone defenses is to beat the crap out of guys, to, to pass them off from zone to zone with contact. Uh, if everyone's dropping and shopping, good luck, especially when the other team's that fast. So that's Gabriel. He's the other one. And as we get into sort of the offensive targets here, those those are really your top two that, that should get the most action. But I don't want anyone out there who's watching these guys for the first time to be surprised if they hear a name, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's number 17. He's a rookie, a second-round draft pick by these guys from Memphis. I have some exposure with him because – Y'all might not know this, but I, I do uh, I do ESPN college football games on the weekend from time to time. I uh, haven't had a, much of a schedule this year. I haven't had a full schedule, so I'm sort of week to week. But uh, we did a lot more American football conference games in the last several years with my crew at, uh, with the, at, on the Watch ESPN app. So I caught Memphis a few times over the last, you know, during Anthony Miller's career, a few, two or three at least. Um, but I've seen, seen this guy, and he is good. Uh, but he's not a prototype as far as uh, – you know, he's not 6'2", he's not real long, he's a 5'11 body, you know, closer to maybe almost like an Antonio Brown kind of body, but like he's sharp. He's very, very refined, a really good route runner, Got he's explosive, he's got speed too, uh, there, there's overall really good speed in this group, but Anthony Miller was the absolute story of the Chicago Bears training camp, you know, Gaze is raving about this guy. Uh, my buddy Jim Miller, you know, Jam- James, James Miller, Jim Miller. You remember Jimmy? Jimmy was here uh, with the Patriots as a backup uh, to Tom Brady on one of our one of our sp- Super Bowl groups. Uh, rock star, you know his his show with uh, Pat Kerwin on on uh, Sirius XM is one of the best football shows out there, and. I've heard Jim pump him up and talk talk really highly of Anthony Miller, and I really respect Jim's opinion. So if he's saying that, he's he's definitely someone to not be surprised by if you see him get a few targets. And Miller had a touchdown against the Dolphins last week, so he's starting to show up more. Um, his you know his usage rate is still you know he's third or fourth in sort of who's going to be targeted in that that overall group with the Bears, but. He's one of those guys, like a Sony Michelle, like a relatively highly drafted guy for a team that's just slowly being worked into what this guy's probably going to be for a team in the future. So don't be surprised if there's some Anthony Miller action. That's a very talented player over there in an offense that's kind of just figuring itself out. Now, from the back position, that's that's really the other layer to this, and it's really a, an area of strength with the Bears. They've got a pretty solid offensive line. In my sort of quick view from just a couple games, I think they're better guard-to-guard than they are at the tackles. The tackles are good. Uh, it's not as if we're talking about like tackle uh, vulnerability or anything like that, but at least in the Dolphins games, there was there was some pressure issues off the edge, and it looked like guys were getting after it a little bit, but both these guys block pretty well in the running game, and they do okay in space stuff, which you have to with, with Tariq Cohen, and we're going to get into Cohen here now. And Cohen, it's the two backs are Cohen and Jordan Howard for people to play fantasy football. I'm sure you're familiar with both of those names, but there's obviously a, a distinction between these guys. Jordan Howard is the more deliberate dude. He's the inside runner. Uh, there'll be some draws. There'll be some inside traps. There'll be there'll be a little bit of zone stuff, but it's got to get quick and hit for him because this is not a stretch and explode guy. This is more of a get up into the line, good vision, good balance, uh, generally good ball security. 
but Jordan's the get what's there guy. He's tough. You know, he'll, he'll play through tackles and fall forward and all that stuff. He's good, but he doesn't have that like overtly explosive thing to him. He's not the dangerous, gonna break it, uh, you know, break it if you give him space kind of guy. And I say all that because that means you kind of figure out where he fits in their group, and that's he, he's a compliment to Tariq Cohen. And you know, Cohen is the slash. Cohen is the guy that's smaller back, the pass catching back, the how do we get this guy the ball in space kind of guy? Because man, he can hurt you a little bit like James White, quite frankly, is for the Patriots. But Cohen is is definitely a running back, but that runs a lot of pass routes. Uh, and, and Coach Belichick had, had had mentioned this, I believe, earlier in the press week, where he talked about, hey, yeah, he's out there running routes as a, as a receiver, but he's generally running running back routes. And what that means is, no, you're not going to see 18 yard comebacks to 15. You're not going to see deep posts. You're not going to see the uh, you know the curls outside the hashes kind or outside the hash numbers kind of stuff. You're going to see running back routes. And that means slip screens, and you're going to see angle routes, angles when you see a guy flying out to the outside, looking like he's going to run a flat route and then bending it back real quickly at a 45. Uh, You're going to see shakes and sits and things like that on the inside. It's just try to use the middle of the field and get this guy the ball in his hands because, good Lord, he's dangerous once he gets it. I say that, and I'm going to look at the the Patriots group and say, wow, that's a guy that they should clearly be having their antennas high for. Uh, it was frustrating to me from a, as you know, former defensive player to watch the Dolphins occasionally let this guy free release and just get out in the pattern. That's just too easy. Trubisky likes to use him. Uh, he's almost like a security blanket. A lot like Tom uses James White, quite frankly. He knows he can turn there, and he's going to be there available for either a quick conversion or get the ball out early and let him use the space you can give him by a quick release. So that's that's who Cohen is for this offense, and I think defensively you have to know it. He's going to be I, – I, I, I hope I'm not getting this right. No, I think Gabriel's actually their their leading receiver right now, but Cohen's right up there near that. So, you know, he's a big part of their offense. If you're you're a pass rusher, this is one of those weeks that don't let him cross your face. If he's near you, hit him because you got to know the quarterback behind him is going to be looking at what you're doing with that. If you pass him up, he's probably going to go to him. If you bang him, he's going to go further into his progressions, and now he's maybe looking to a tight end or a secondary receiver, and that's okay. That's what you'd rather have. But uh, it can't be a free-release, easy stuff for Tariq Cohen and with some of the ways they hide him to try to get him out into a free-release is release him over center, over the guard, back up through the middle, and then to the outside. So you want him out in the flats anyway. You, you zip him right to the flats, straight out of the backfield. The rushers usually pick him up better that way. Linebackers have more time to flow with it. Sometimes when it's the inside release, get through the line, then zip out to the flats. Well, those are sometimes where, you know, interior defensive linemen sometimes aren't as adept at, at jamming. But I think this is a week if you're you're Danny Shelton or, you know, you're Lawrence Guy or you're any of those interior rushers, you're Adam Butler, you're heading up the field, Malcolm Brown, he passes you. He's If he's within chicken wing range, give him a shot. Knock him off the route. Make it easier on the linebacker and make Trubisky look somewhere else. Uh, final here sort of uh, focus position guy to me would be Trey Burton. You know him well from uh, Philly a year ago. Trey Burton has three touchdowns, so you know he's certainly involved in the offense. But this has not been a you know the new big free agent contract come over going to be targeted six to eight times a game. It hasn't been that. It's usually been more in the three to four. I think the high water mark was five. If I'm, I hope I'm getting that correctly. But he's been efficient. It, it's just not you don't see a lot of game plan stuff to Trey Burton. It's more security blanket stuff again. It's more checkdowns, interior stuff. Uh, the guy to go to when you need a conversion kind of thing on the inside part of the field. 
but less so. This is not Gronk, is, is my point. There's not game plan stuff to this guy. There's not pressing him as, you know, dr- deep drop back passing, Trey Burton's your first read. That, that doesn't appear to be where it is with these guys. But because he's got three touchdowns, obviously he's a red zone concern. So how Patrick Chung presumably matches up with him could be a big factor in this game. So, again, don't be surprised if that guy's out there making a play or two or three. He's someone that cannot be slept on. He's a, he's a very good player. Defensively, you're going to know a lot of these names. Akeem Hicks obviously had the really nice season for the Patriots a few years ago, gets the big money there in Chicago. Really, he's, he's listed a defensive end, but you'll really see him all over the formation. Interior pressure guy, I think I, I think of him more as than, than how he would be. You know, When it says DN here, he's a DN and a 3-4. Uh, but in the in the more nickel stuff that you see, he he can be an interior guy. Gets great pressure up the middle. Strong plays a run well. He's just a really good player. One of the better defensive tackles that have passed through Foxborough in recent years. But you know he he, got, he went for the big money, and it's hard to ever blame a guy for that. And he's done really well there and made himself into one of the better defensive tackles in really the whole league. Khalil Mack, we all know that story. Uh, so the, I'm, this this uh, this show is going out on Friday, I believe, of this week. Uh, it was Wednesday and Thursday. Mack had sat so. You know, he's obviously going to be an important story going up for the game. Where's he at? Raquan Smith, you know, him first rounder, uh, a good young up-and-coming player. Danny Trevathan, though, is really more your focal point of the defense. He's your middle linebacker, calls the shots. When it becomes more single backer on the field, uh, you see a little more of Trevathan as the last dude. Uh, But Trevathan, excuse me, a good player, though. Um, Leonard Floyd, another first rounder. I mean, they've got a lot on this defense. I think that's one of the things that jumps out at you the most. And they haven't been particularly uh, you know, successful over the last five years or so. You start to accumulate a lot of these top picks. Eddie Goldman's a second rounder. Jonathan Bullard's a third. Uh, Smith, as he mentioned, is a first rounder. Leonard Floyd's a first rounder. Uh, Kyle Fuller, the cornerback position, is a 2014 first rounder, but he's a really good player for them. Uh, and then you got Prince uh, Mukamara, uh, former uh, Giants guy that was in Jacksonville most recently. Another uh, talented guy out there. So there's a lot of defensive talent over there. There's, there's players, right? So uh, we'll get into how these guys sort of fit in their group as we dive into the specifics, but that at least sort of canvases for you who's on the team. Now let's dive into sort of some of the stuff that they do, the way they might challenge the Patriots, the the things the Patriots, quite frankly, need to be aware of, both sides of the ball. So the Dolphins had a really, really successful game uh, a week, uh, excuse me, game a week ago in their run game. So it was, it was Kenyon Drake a little bit, and then the old guy got back in there, Frank Gore, and had a really productive day, 35-year-old back, out there looking spry. And uh, it was a lot of kinds of runs that actually fit the Patriots really well. You're watching, I'm watching that thing back, and I'm thinking, oh, that's the Patriots have that, or a, a, a version of that. Uh, a certain kind of trap. Uh, trap play is you know, when you're pulling someone around to add in and sort of make a, a trapping interior block to, to create an interior gap for, for a back that wasn't otherwise there. You sort of invite them upfield with their penetration, trap the guy, and fit the back into a new sort of inside slot. Uh, traps are very effective for teams that are aggressive up the field. You know, Khalil Mack flying up the field, that wouldn't be a trap. It's some sort of kick-out block. But the stuff where you sort of take advantage of their upfield play, uh, the Bears are susceptible to some of that, and the, and the Dolphins really had a nice day in that world. So traps, power plays, powers when you're adding a guy from the backside guard uh, back to the to the front side, so your numbers advantage. You're you're increasing sort of play side blockers. Uh, your fullbacks kicking out, uh, tight ends blocking down, tackles around. 
Uh, these are hard to do on radio, sorry, or, or in a podcast. But the point is, power plays are there's a bit of a of a an add in blocker thing. Get to the exterior, pullers are in action. Back has some has a couple blocks to read off of the, the you know the fullback kickout block, and we know Devlin's been so good with that. But those were things that were successful for Miami. And wow, you're looking at it going that's stuff the Patriots do, and Sony Michelle could absolutely feast on those kind of runs if they can sort of, uh, you know, replicate some of the things we saw a week ago. So, you know, clearly the Bears are going to see those same things. No, they had a little big problems with it a week ago, and the Patriots have really had their own running game going pretty high here for three straight weeks. So that looks to be a pretty positive matchup for the Patriots to, to control the game through the run again. If they can do that four weeks in a row, wow, that, that's your new team. Uh, but the Bears' defense is very good. Uh, but if there's a sort of chink in the armor, I, at least for more recency stuff, that's that seems to be where it may be. Um, you, you don't want to be in a situation where you just deep drop back and Akeem Hicks is pushing the middle. Mack is involved in some game on the outside or just smoking your tackle, uh, which, you know, Patriots got two good tackles, so maybe that's not as big of a concern. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're just sitting there back and hoping Tom can plant roots and, and pick you apart. This is more a get the ball out of your hands. Don't let their strengths ever sort of come to the forefront. So running game, running game, running game, quick releases. Let Brady pick you apart that way if they're they're so brave as to try to pressure, which they may feel like they need to do. Uh, but that's that's really where I think the, the focus of this should be for the offense. Um, one of the things that's interesting with Khalil Mack is, you know, you ever, you're going to talk about a guy that's that incredibly talented. Now we, we're just going to presume he's playing, right? As of Friday, we don't, we don't know that, but they're calling him a game time decision. He's dealing with an ankle. Uh, but when you watch back film, you see some of the protections set to Khalil Mack with the purposes of re- the purpose of really, if they've got a four man line and they have an uncovered guy, there's almost always one uncovered guard. When you have a, a you know a four man rush against a five man line, somebody's going to be uncovered, and, they, and teams have pretty typically tried to configure themselves somehow, some way that that uncovered guy will hopefully be towards Mac, because it's almost like having a help player. It's almost like a double team, but it's not a double team. You know, he's free if Mac stays wide in the outside of the tackle while the guard can't help. But if he tries any kind of inside move, you've got ostensibly a double back to the inside. So uh, it'll be interesting if things work out that way for the Patriots. If they feel uh, preoccupied or concerned enough with the damage he might be able to do uh that they give him the free player and you're getting sort of pass protection double teams which is one way to do it you can do it with a chip on the edge you can do it by soaking up your backs but you may not feel like you need to if you set really deep and hard with your tackle Ladrian Waddle presumably here because Cannon's been banged up with uh it appears to be in a concussion from what we've heard uh but you know it'll be interesting to see how they handle let's put it this way and obviously the Bears know that teams are trying to figure out ways to handle Matt because he's you know supremely talented guy but uh they game so that's another thing to be aware for gaming the twist stuff where one guy picks the other and he wraps around Mac will come back up around through the inside through some of these games so you got to be aware for that so practice week this week the Patriots is real game awareness how do you set the protection uh do you chip do you not chip or when you're not chipping is it because you've got a free guy don't get surprised by, you know, flying out of there trying to, to prevent some sort of Mac just running to the corner, and then he, he twists back inside. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Obviously, it's been mentioned a 100 times by people this week, but later in Waddle got a lot of Mac uh, a year ago down in the Mexico game. Waddle started that game, played really well against Mac in that one. Uh, but one of the things that you saw in the Dolphins game is Mac flops a lot. So Tunzel was on one side for the Dolphins and James on the other. They're two tackle positions. And both guys saw about even reps with him. 
So, you know, he's, he's out there and going to be involved uh, with a lot of guys. So it's not as if Trent Brown won't see him too. I, you kind of presume he may. And if they got like to move him all around, maybe even ends up some inside sometimes. But um, there's something called the bear front, which I'm not using the word bear because it just happens to be the bears this week. But bear fronts, you know, old eagle stuff, I think, is how far it goes back. But, you know, uh, Buddy Ryan, I don't know. Is he the one responsible for that? Maybe I shouldn't say that. But the bear front's five-man stuff. So you, got, you actually have your nose guard over center, and you have both of your uh, interior tackles uh, lined in the gaps. So you've got five men across, five down. That's the bear portion. And instead of four and two, you're five and one. So three uh, right over center, both in the gaps, and then two ends wide. And then you've got uh, the one inside linebacker off the ball. The bears do the bear front, and it's not because that's their name, but it's just some that they used uh, that you saw quite a bit actually in the Miami game. And that puts Danny Trevathan off the ball as the singular inside guy. Now, this helps sort of tune up the gap so they're kind of all taken care of on the inside for the down people, but it thins you on the second level. Patriots dabbled with this some last year. Had some success with it, but also had some struggles with it in the low, short passing game. Why do I mention that? Because the Dolphins really feasted, not so much in the running game against that front, but more in the pass. Because you've got Levathan down tight. He's the only off-the-ball linebacker. So the second level just shows one person as opposed to two or even the, the roll-down safety. And if you suck him up, even just a little bit on a run fake, play action right behind that middle linebacker. Wow, there's a lot of space. That's, and that's the danger you have of pulling everyone up into the line. So Danny Amendola made some plays that way. Kenny Stills made some plays that way. Uh, Albert Wilson had a lot of catch-and-run plays. I don't know how many of them hit behind in that particular area, but even the tight ends for the Dolphins, which when the Patriots last played them, that wasn't a big part of their offense. But uh, bare front, getting that, getting this look, and maybe if we're able to pick it up on TV quickly since I mentioned it. Maybe not because some of that stuff from the side view is a little harder to tell. But if we get, if you see them getting bare front stuff, Look for Julian Edelman to eat. Look for look for the look for the second level player, uh, the second level area. Excuse me to get flooded with the kind of guys that win there in those spaces. That might be Julian. That could be James White running angle routes really quickly to that spot or quick drag stuff. That's the kind of those are the kind of routes that really really feast uh, if teams are going to show you that. Can they get out of the line and retreat to cover up some of those passes? It really creates some space between the the, the actual guys on the line and the secondary behind them. It's a thinner middle. So if the Bears are willing to live in that a lot, could be a big day for Julian or James. Now, moving on here to sort of final point about, well, we already talked about Keem Hicks when we were talking about him earlier. So you really got to stop penetration by this guy. But he sheds well and tackles in the run game also. He's just a really good all-around player. Now, obviously, he becomes a part of the conversation because he was previously here with the Patriots. So, you know, he gets his play. He gets the media rounds here this week. That's always typical. But beyond that, if he hadn't been here, whatever, it doesn't matter. He's a, he's a tape guy. He jumps out and goes, who's that dude? He's, he's making plays. He throws people around, gets penetration. He separates. He runs down the line well. He's, he's just a good defensive tackle. You don't want to let that guy ruin the game. So should be a fun matchup between him and Shaq Mason. Hicks is a little bit taller, so Mason's going to have the leverage advantage there. But you don't want to get into a, a getting pushed situation into the pocket. So it could be a man-on-man thing, or it could be some help issues where David Andrews at the center is, is you know crashing with him, and they're playing doubles and trying to you know avoid any any way they can from letting picks or Hicks, excuse me, end up in in Tom Brady's lap. So the one big element that really killed the Bears this week was the, excuse me, a week ago, was the catch-and-run stuff. Albert Wilson for the Dolphins had a monster game, uh, over 100 yards. I think it might have been over 150, a couple touchdowns. But it was the kind of stuff where 
you know, you're watching these plays and the way they got the ball into Wilson's hands earlier with blockers out in front of him, you say, uh-oh, catch and run. And it just, again, this sort of dovetails nicely because it just happens to be, you know, right up against another Patriots game. And you go, hmm, let me think of a team that is built to do catch and run that has a lot of catch and run players. Oh, it's a Patriots. And it was something I was obviously ringing that bell heavily a few weeks ago. And again, and, and sort of a counterpoint to me even bringing that up, is the Patriots kind of didn't run as much of it last week. Dorsett and Patterson had really low rep counts. Both guys, I believe, were under 10 snaps. So, And those, to me, are your two better catch-and-run guys. I mean, I'm not counting James White here. He's obviously great in the catch-and-run game as well. But I'm saying from the wide receiver position, the guys that can just turn and throw it to him with a look pass. Or actually, you know, in those situations, you're not scheming blockers out in front of him. It's just a look pass because you got off coverage. Get the ball to Dorsett. Let him go make a play. Uh, or with Patterson, it seems to be more, well, maybe some of the look pass stuff if they give him off coverage. But Patterson's been more, you know, mo- jet motion him, motion him, you know, as if it's a fake reverse, get it out to him on a slip screen, uh, actually give it to him in a reverse situation, or, you know, tunnel screens or, or you know, any kind of tear screens, any of the stuff where it's like, hey, he's on the outside, let's throw a bunch of blockers out in space in front of him, get the ball to him quickly and see what he can do. I would imagine that Dolphins tape has Josh McDaniels sort of licking his lips and saying, okay, okay, they have problems with catch and run. We got catch and run guys, and we got the really nice set of offensive linemen that block in space. So you don't want to be pocket passer guy against the Bears so much because I think it allows them to really rev up their pass rushing engines, and they've got a few guys that are good in that vein. I, I really think it's more, hey, win in the running game, win in the catch and run, and win and flood the areas that they thin themselves by some of the fronts that they choose. That's the way to go after the Bears. But it'll be a challenge. It's it's never easy going into Soldier Field, and they tend to play much better there. So on the other side of the ball, we got to look at the Bears' offense, and I would say by and large, it's a if you're reading their local media and you're you're kind of looking at things from their perspective, it's not a it's not a dangerous group. Uh, it's they're they're a mid a middling offense in this league, and that's in part because Trubisky's just sort of being brought along slowly. But I, I shouldn't say not – when I say ex, not explosive, I'm meaning they're not putting up 30 each week, but they have an explosive element to their offense that's probably the most dangerous part of it. So I don't know if that, that sounds contradicting the way, it, the way it came out. But we mentioned it off the front. Taylor Gabriel, big explosive player, downfield. And with Trubisky, he throws a really nice deep ball. He really does, and he runs well. Runs well, throws a really nice deep ball, and uh, can do some things with his legs as well. That's Blake Bortles to me, and there's the Bortles element to it as well that uh, Trubisky throws some dangerous balls. Got the four picks thus far, which isn't a terribly high number, but several balls that looked pretty pickable in the Dolphins game that didn't necessarily get taken advantage of that way. So he's an opportunity ball guy, like a Joe Flacco in my view. There's going to be three to four of those a day. How many of them do you get? When you get your hands on it, do you make the plays? Um, uh, One thing here to to sort of – talk about because we we really mentioned sort of the elements that the guys that you got to worry about worry about the the Tariq Cohen that you know we talked about uh, the shot play stuff with Gabriel we talked about the difference of the two backs we did all that off the front but one of the things that that I think defenses will often look at is do they have ball security issues they're guys that might give it up and I mentioned that with Trubisky and some of the some of the places he likes to throw it in sort of dangerous places 
But then you also got to look in a week after both backs put the ball on the ground. Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard had a fumble and Cohen had a fumble. So both backs put it on the ground. Those send off alarms in the building and defensive meeting rooms. It's going to be a week of everybody punch it, everybody strip it, everybody chopping, every guy go after the ball because both guys are going to be getting a heavy week of their own coaches, uh, you know, trying to look back for trust on them getting high carry numbers because both dudes put it on the ground. Well, that means both dudes are going to be getting every – additional hand in there possible trying to get one of their own the next week so ball security big issue for this game and it hasn't always been great with Trubisky so you really have sort of a a triangle there of guys where you can you can look for opportunities Um, offensively by and large though this is a relatively conservative group in that it's shots but you know it's shots 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 but the interior passing game there's a lot of checkdowns not necessarily the right word but I'll check down, I guess, with the backs, but more conservative inside routes. It's not a lot of seven-step drop, let Trubisky sit back there forever, um, and I'll try to hit an in-cut at 18 yards with three or four different patterns crossing one another. It's just not a, a super advanced uh, passing scheme, as I, you know, at least just to my lay view watching a couple games. It's They're not stressing him that way. Um, there's going to be some game plan stuff, some misdirection stuff. Again, there's that little bit of Chiefs element in it. In it, But in fairness, you also have to say this isn't, I think maybe two or three years from now, if Anthony Miller's game is, is advanced considerably, Gabriel's you know continue to make the strides. He makes Cohen's a big part of this. Allen Robinson's back to the beast. You remember, it's like you sort of have a, a nice collection of guys, but they haven't quite elevated to where this could be and my to be fair portion of this is just that hey the Chiefs have better personnel you know uh with with Kelsey and and Tyreek Hill and 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 some of those guys so that's and and Hunt out of the backfield is sort of a an and or where it takes two guys to kind of get that with Cohen and Howard so you know I, I think Gase had that success and it wasn't exclusively because of the personnel or excuse me for the scheme it wasn't the scheme getting it as much as I think the personnel was pretty damn good too so it usually takes both now the Bears have the personnel they just don't have the experience and really haven't hit those sort of top cylinders kind of situations yet so it'll be a challenge but I I kind of think back to the Jacksonville game and it's uh, there are enough overlaps there with how these guys kind of operate I think the 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 comparable level of faith in the quarterback, it's restricted, to say the least. But that guy, through zone read stuff, will pull it down and take it himself. Trubisky can make some plays. So you don't want to get him in a situation where he's getting a lot of conversions because he can definitely do that. It seems to be like a week-to-week thing. You're always finding uh, most of these running backs – or, excuse me, quarterbacks in the league now can do some things with their legs. And he's, he's definitely one of them. But much like the Jacksonville game, what blew that thing up was a, with blown coverages or D.D. Westbrook making silly catches down the field – or was it him? It was Keenan, It was uh, Cole, uh, Keelan Cole, uh, that made the, the stupid one-handed catch. But it was the downfield shot plays, the explosive, you know, flip the field stuff. That's what hurt them. It wasn't being hurt by them going six yards, six yards, six yards, six yards. You know, sustained drive, length of the field, eighty each time. That the Bears don't do that well. At least they don't have a history of it in this young season, uh, and they haven't played the the highest end competition yet. So, uh, as far as ha- the opposite side. Um, having a, a really, 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 really competent offense. The, they did see the Packers in week one. Um, and I, that would be the closest thing to this. But I think the, this is definitely going to be the highest end offense they've faced thus far. And, you know, in the league, it's pretty much the highest one you can face other than maybe the Chiefs. Those guys are neck and neck right now. Uh, but that, to me, sort of speaks to style. What are we going to see game style 
Uh, what are they going to be willing to do? What's really the best scenario here for the Patriots? It is in Soldier Field. It is on the road. And I say Soldier Field just because the you know, my wind might be whipping a little bit, and that affects passing games. Um, I'm, I'm saying this without having looked at the weather. I probably should have checked that first. But, you know, you get into that little bit different environment. You may not be in a shootout situation. This might not be one of those 30-plus games for the Patriots, or even though the offense has kind of been flying that way. It might be more of a high 20s. You might be looking at a, you know, a, a 26 to 29 output thing for the Patriots where it's a little more of a hard-fought fought plow against this particular defense. That's that's entirely plausible going that way. But that stresses that offense. Can the Bears' offense keep pace? So is the Patriots' idea to spread this out, let's go shoot out, see if you can score 40 like we can score 40, or do they slow it down a little bit and, and control the game more with the run game as they've done more recently? And I actually think that's probably where the vulnerability lies, so they go that route. Now, if you're the Bears, whatever that number is the Patriots are going to put up, it's going to be tough for you to match it uh, unless we're we're talking like, you know, the Patriots have slowed things down so much and then they've had poor red zone conversions or they three and out themselves more than we've seen them do much this year. And that's actually something you see a decent amount from the Bears, the three outs. Uh, you know, the, the long sustained drives is probably their biggest issue. Um, have, they, don't, they, they have a harder time doing that. But I, I just think that the, you have to understand what one side's looking across the field and seeing and that chase mode Bears are not the best Bears. They want to control the tempo themselves. They want to be out there in front of this thing and controlling stuff with runs and low targets and moving the clock and moving their team. Uh, are they going to feel a little pressed if the Patriots get up a score or two? Patriots up a score or two, this Bears offense just doesn't seem like it's quite there yet to go shootout style. But we will see how it all sort of uh, matriculates. I know it doesn't actually fit there, but it's a good old school world for an old school game going here to Soldier Field. Going to be exciting, going to be fun. Uh, and as I sort of sign off on this show, I have to mention special teams. Uh, and that's, excuse me, cup of coffee drink here. And I have to mention special teams, not just because that's my background. I wrote about it this week on The Athletic, so I'm not going to spend as much time here uh, devoted to it on a podcast, just a minute or two talking about the issues with the kickoff. But I, I broke down the 97-yarder the last week, and I went guy to guy across the across the kickoff group. There's, I believe, almost 25 minutes of tape uh, of tape breakdown in that uh, in that athletic column, all for just one play. And that's that's really insight into how things go down in the NFL. You have that kind of breakdown; they can spend spend the better part of half an hour breaking down one play, breaking down every guy, talking about how each guy needs to be better to make things like that not happen. And Unfortunately, the Bears are obviously going to be watching that same film. It wasn't just the 97-yarder. There's another one that got out over the 35 that, you know, there wasn't really a, a challenge on the tackle on the ball until he cleared the 30. So way too much space back there. Not enough guys went on one-on-one. And that was disappointing to me, obviously, because I got a, I got a lot of respect. I got a little high, a high opinion of several of those guys over there. Obviously, you're Brandon Kings and, and, and Nate Ebners and, of course, Matthew Slater. Um, but even Nicholas Grigsby and, and Alana Roberts a little bit and, and Chung gets involved over there and McCourty. I mean, that's a group of really good teams, guys. And uh, they had a bad week. And uh, there have been some chinks in the armor with some of the kickoff coverage. You know, some out past the 30 you don't like to see. Broke a couple, but nothing that was anything like this. And that was a, a an abysmal rep. An abysmal rep. One bad play. But in the world of kickoffs, it, all it takes is one bad one. And you can you can let the other team back in the game in a hurry. So I know the screws are going to be put to those guys hard this week, as they should be. 
because that was a mess. And, uh, you know, if you want some more insight on that, it's, it's not as easy to do here on a podcast, but I put a ton of video up on my athletic column this week on that and uh, broke it down, and you'll be able to see really where the breakdowns were. But if you need a podcast message, it's just overall guys that typically went on one-on-one weren't winning one-on-one. Maybe load the sleep a little bit about the, the impending touchback that seems to be a big part of kickoffs these days. But, hey, in a windy environment in, in Chicago, maybe they don't all come out, you know, or they don't all go through the end zone. Maybe one blasts in the stands, and the next one you're, you're fielding on the five because of the wind. Who knows? But you've got to be ready to cover, and you've got to cover better than that, or all of a sudden you've got a team weakness from an area that should have been a team strength. So that is all I want to say on that. Uh, and, again, as a team's guy myself, I know what it's like to be stressed if your group has a, a down week. You don't want the rest of the team looking to you. You want to be the one that, that really supports the other two groups. So that was all we had for this week's game. Uh, Patriots travel to the Bears. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. So it's get up quick, get up, get it going. I love those kind of games. Um, now, f- make sure you guys check me out on the Nesson pregame chat that we do. Uh, I believe the show this week's going to be at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern. I'll be doing it from the studio there at Nesson. So, I want you to check this show out. Maybe use this as sort of your pregame show, uh, or watching it, listening to you on Friday and a Saturday, and heading into the to the weekend. But we'll also be doing a video portion uh, from the Nesson Studios, and then shooting it back out there to Doug Kide and Zach Cox, who are there in Chicago. So we'll have you covered from all angles that way, with some more updated newsy type items that I don't have for you as I'm sitting here doing this. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll able to to, to glean a, a fact or two or three or some new stuff to put into that Sunday show. But obviously a ton to cover when you don't know the team well. But should be a fun and exciting game. Chicago's definitely an opponent that that deserves some respects. Some respect. They can absolutely beat you. I mean, I think it takes it easy with the Patriots. And you know that you put up a big number of the Jacksonville offense, and that ain't an explosive offense. So any given Sunday, right? If you don't play well, if you play a stinker, anyone can beat you. Detroit did it to you as well, and. Uh, you know, that's, again, another any given Sunday team. They've beaten teams that are, you know, markedly better than either two teams they've lost. So uh, you got to be ready for everyone. Chicago will be a challenge. That's the Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Thanks for checking in. You can always download this on iTunes, subscribe to the show there, or find us on Blog Talk Radio, the Blog Talk Radio Network. That's where you find it on blogtalkradio.com. That's the native place. You can follow me on Twitter at chatham fifty eight. Get in there, get weird, enjoy your Patriots this weekend. Bye-bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.